Hello and welcome to the Van Foodster Podcast. I am your host, Richard Wallach, covering the food scene in and around the Vancouver area, across Canada and beyond. This is episode 55 of the Van Foodster Podcast. In this week's episode, I feature Bruno Restaurant at the New Versante Hotel in Richmond. I do a feature on Pepino's Spaghetti House on Commercial Drive. I then talk about some new items at J&G Fried Chicken in Richmond. I do a feature on Barcelona Tapas on Bowen Island. And lastly, I feature my interview with Chef Will Liu of Bruno and the Versante Hotel. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Van Foodster, as well as visit VancouverFoodster.com for everything food in Vancouver and beyond. And we'll get on with this week's episode. Uh, Bruno is a brand new restaurant out in Richmond. Uh, you kind of, you could miss it if you're driving down the street and you don't see the sign, but it's in the beautiful new Versante Hotel. It's a new boutique hotel that has just opened in Richmond. Our grand opening was held this past weekend. And uh, it's at number three road in Bridgeport Road. So very close to the airport. Uh, so, you know, people coming, flying in, flying out, that kind of thing. It's going to be very close for them to go. This is one of five restaurants opening on the in the complex. So the complex basically includes a hotel, and then there's two office towers kind of right behind it, but it's all kind of joined together. It's owned by the same company, and they have quite the plans for these restaurants. So two bars, five restaurants on the property. The first one, of course, is Bruno. Uh, there are other ones to come over the next, uh, say, four or five months. You'll see the rest of them open. Some very interesting concepts out there, but we'll talk about that uh, later on in the fall once uh, those open. But back on to Bruno. Beautiful new spot. It's open for, well, it's basically breakfast, lunch, dinner uh, in the restaurant. Now, it is grand opening to the public today. Uh, today, Sunday, August 29th. It is grand opening to the public uh for dinner service um it's starting with breakfast service coming uh later this week uh, and then they'll go into lunch uh sometime in september they'll open up for lunch um but for dinner it is uh first of all designed to be all like share family sharing is the idea here and uh the plates are rather large and basically designed for family sharing executive chef uh, will Liu has put together an incredible menu an incredible team and he did it very very quickly um, as the uh, hotel was uh, delayed due to COVID, all these little, you know, the c- usual problems people were having with COVID and construction and everything else. And uh, uh, Chef Will uh, was brought on and he put together just incredible menu, incredible team. And I had a great, I had a chance to uh, preview this restaurant a few nights ago and, uh, and uh, preview the menu. I think I ate, they said, they featured us, we featured uh, 60% of the menu we got to taste, so which is great. That's like a lot. That's a great, that's a good portion of items that we were able to taste. And I have some incredible favorites here, and I'll talk about that in a minute. And um, you just got to check out this restaurant. I think they've done a great job. It's going to be one of those things where you just like, sometimes I go to new restaurants and I go, would I go back? And sometimes I wouldn't. On this one, I would. I would can't wait to go back, actually. I can't wait to go back and have a dinner just two of us in the restaurant uh, sharing some of this delicious food. So um, 
you know, you always have to have bread. In my mind, you always have to have bread at a restaurant, whether it comes complimentary or when you're purchasing it, you're buying it, ordering it off the menu. Sometimes you just like, but no, just it just says bread, then I don't bother. But if it's just like something that sounds really interesting and different, then I'm right there. And this is the one you're going to want. This it's called scroll loaf. It's a kind of a kind of a looks like a cinnamon bun, but it's a savory version. And it's buttery, and it's just like herbs inside, and it's really good on its own. But then, to even top it off, you see these like uh, little um, kind of ramekin idea, and it looks like it's going to be creme brulee. And you think you're going to have dessert before dinner, but then you discover it's not. It's a brulee foie gras butter. So this is very heavenly rich on its own, but then, you know, you... You'll get it with a scroll loaf, and then you put as much on as you want, and it's just, it's decadent, and this is going to be like a must. You must try this um, scroll loaf when you're in this restaurant. Um, then I also try the torched oysters. Now, I'm not an oyster fan usually, but I was watching Chef torch these oysters, and I it just looked amazing, and I tried it, and I was like, in heaven, I was like, this is the best oyster I've ever had. And I don't like oysters, but the whole thing was done so good and had a this sauce on it. I don't know. The whole thing was amazing. So definitely try the oysters there. Uh, the smoked salmon and Ikura flatbread is very good. Like, you know, you see a smoked salmon flatbread, you go, I don't know. But this is delicious. Like, just tasting it, it was so good. And it's so fresh. And it's salmon from BC, so you can't go wrong there. You definitely want to try that. Now, here's a surprise. I normally don't like pork belly. You know, for years, I had chefs. Every time I interviewed a chef in their kitchen, I mean, with COVID, I haven't been able to do this. But every time I interviewed a chef in the kitchen, the number one thing they'd always make me is pork belly. And I got so bored of it, I was just like, I don't want to see any more pork belly, and I don't want to see more scallops. Because for some reason, every chef wants to make you scallops. Uh, anyways, uh, this was a totally different story. This was a total surprise, because pork belly... I just usually avoid it. It's fatty and all that kind of stuff. But this became the table favorite. I was asking uh, others around the table, like, what did you think of this? And everyone was like, this is the best. This is the dish. This is the dish. So it's called kurabuta. And a kurabuta is a type of pork. Um, and usually you'd find that because it's different parts of the world. But uh, it's actually a, a type of pork. Uh, it's being uh, a pig. So I guess that's how to explain this. But type of pig that's been, how it's been raised. And, and they have a... A farm here in BC doing this and so it's just got um, just got great flavor so then it's blend with a black garlic this black garlic is amazing there's quite a process involved in the pork belly um, I've interviewed chef will do and it's coming up later on this uh, episode and we'll talk about this and he'll explain how he does his pork belly but definitely you want to try that one I uh, also tried the buttered poached gem salad and then I tried this Burrata Summer Orchard Salad. This was incredible. This was my favorite salad. I mean, basically one of my favorite dishes of the whole night. So, you know, it's basically kind of one of those salads which is seasonal. So it's like in season right now. I don't know if, the, I mean, this. I'm sure they're going to change the salad by fall because a lot of these ingredients locally won't be available by then. But they are right now. So if you want to get in this restaurant and try this restaurant, this dish, the Burrata Summer Orchard Salad, is very good. It's gorgeous. It's colorful. It just looks it looks amazing. So that was really good. Tried the grilled Wagyu flank steak and the halibut uni crab, king crab risotto, which is basically halibut on top of a crab risotto with a little uni on top of that. And then one of the most impressive dishes there, well, one of several actually, is the truffle lavender duck 
It's incredible. So this is interesting. I'm also not a duck fan. I, I like confit duck. Uh, I'm not a huge breast duck fan, but uh, they've done a great job with this. So the owner of the hotel owns a lavender farm, a certified organic lavender farm on Cortez Island. Uh, Chef Will really recently had a chance to go there himself to see how the see the lavender farm and everything else. And uh, basically, he decided to create a dish, which is this truffle lavender duck, which is using um, the lavender from the lavender farm, which is really interesting. So it's infused into the uh, duck. It's infused into the sauce. You don't really taste the lavender because that's another thing. Lavender, not huge on it. I've never really been huge on lavender unless it's in soap. But I just, it's not my thing. But actually, it was really good. And I really enjoyed this, this, uh, this whole dish. The, the components of the of the uh, dish is really good. It comes with like a, a confit duck ball. kind of like looks like an arancini that was really good. These And these figs, amazing figs. So And then the duck is really, really good. Tender, done perfectly. And I can see this being a huge hit for people um, in the restaurant. Also tried the 52-ounce bone-in ribs eye steak. Just had a piece of that. And the other impressive favorite here is the forno roasted red sea bream it's a sea bream fish what comes in from new zealand everything else is actually mostly is local but this it's all about ocean wise and they're certified ocean wise and they bring in a red sea bream from new zealand they also bring the lobster in from atlantic canada and it's a seafood platter like you've never seen now first of all chef will Liu has worked at other restaurants before and i've eaten at most of the restaurants he's been he has worked at and one of those was a few years ago at black and blue on the roof and he made an incredible uh seafood platter for me to taste and i was just in awe i was just like i've never seen anything so beautiful it was just it was gorgeous it was like the ocean came to the table and it, it was amazing i still always think about that and uh, so, of course, you know, with Chef Will here, you're going to find something similar. So he has done this. Now, I don't know the price on this yet. Uh, we were talking about that. And I'm sure by the time uh, this week rolls around, they'll have a price on this. But this is a, first of all, it's a dish you want to share. It's actually a whole platter. So you've got on this platter, you've got BC, local BC shellfish. Uh, you've got it in a saffron uh, kind of uh, broth, uh, creamy broth and all sorts of seafood on there. You've got this big red sea bream fish on there. You've got lobster. I mean, it looks amazing. And so that's when you want to share. I mean, I'd say, you know, sharing with four people, five people is the way to go on this thing. So, and I don't know what the price exactly is, but you, it would be, it'd be great if you guys can all share this together. And then the truffle potatoes. Oh my God, these were so good. I want more. I could just keep eating these things. I also love potatoes, and I could eat these all the time. I could also eat these crispy Brussels sprouts all the time, too, because that was delicious as well. So on to the desserts. So uh, they have something kind of fun. It's uh, making ice cream popsicles at your table, and it's done with a frozen with a griddle, which is actually frozen. So Chef kind of makes these um, little popsicles on this griddle, and it freezes up at the table. I think this is awesome. This is fun. Guests are going to love this because it's a great treat at the end. And, you know, it makes perfect uh, for video for Instagram or taking photos for Instagram. You're going to love it. So that's fun. Uh, I also tried the rustic tiramisu. And then my favorite dessert of all of them that I tried was a stone fruit pavlova. It was very, very good. And that's a funny thing, too. I've never really been a pavlova fan. 
Uh, but uh, wow, like it was fresh. It was it was so good, and the fruit was really good with it. Like that was the ultimate favorite. So you know, great restaurant out there called Bruno. You definitely want to check it out. It's open now. Um, and then uh, you know, I don't know that we talked about breakfast, and that'll be in my uh, chat with Will coming up. And then uh, lunch will be coming soon. So definitely want to check out Bruno. Uh, listen, uh, just later in my episode here today, I uh, will have an interview with Chef Will Liu. Uh, who's passionate. I love talking to him. I think he's one of the most passionate uh, chefs in the city. Definitely one of the most most educated about uh, all the seafood and everything else he is serving. So listen for that as that's coming up. Uh, Peppino's Spaghetti House. It's been around now probably about four or five years on Commercial Drive. Um, I actually had not been there in a long time. I, I did a takeout there last year, but you know, to me, takeout doesn't really count because by the time you get it home, it's not hot anymore and it's just not the way to go. But uh, they now have a new chef there, executive chef Vish Mayakar. Uh, he's coming up on another episode of mine uh, very, very soon, so you'll have a chance to listen to what he talks about. Uh, so I just tried uh, well some some different items that I've never had before. I, I guess a couple that I have had, but the garlic cheesy bread. I actually had never had that there before, and that was very tasty. It reminds me of the cheese bread that Heise does, and Heise has always had this amazing cheese bread. Uh, this one's down a bit with the garlic, but it's definitely tasty. It's one. It's a good one to start out with. Also try the chopped iceberg salad. Uh, now this one, I believe I've had this in the past, but it was done differently. It, I remember it being a wedge salad. That's what I just think it was when I first tried it, like the first time I went to that restaurant. It's not done that like that anymore, although there's a picture out there for the wedge salad. But anyways, it's basically salad. It's got uh, it's got the iceberg uh, lettuce in it, and it's just nuts, not as a wedge. But uh, that was very tasty, Italian dressing. It's good. To, it's another good one to start out. Now, the gnocchi alla Genovese. Oh, my God, this was incredible. So good. So this is Chef Fisher's creation. He has uh, perfected this dish, and he has really perfected it because it was really good. Creamy pesto, um, just I love the flavors. I had it, some leftovers the next day. It was same thing, really, really good. It's on my Instagram if you want to check it out. Um, it was a, it's a huge hit. It's just very, very good. So that's definitely one of the top dishes I'd order. Uh, linguine of vongole, um, you know, it's good, but. I'm not a clam person, same thing. So if you love clams, you're going to love this dish. But I don't really love clams. I ate them. It was. I thought the flavors of the vongoli were very good. Um, but I'm just not really into clams. But if you are, this is your dish. You're going to love it. Uh, the meat ravioli. Now, this was a surprise. Because I was not expecting this. This was very good. This was one of another one of my favorites for the night from dinner. Um, I don't know. I just thought meat ravioli. You know, even though Chef told me it's one of my new creations, you should try it. I was thinking, okay, I mean, how? What's you're just gonna see some meat in the ravioli? Like, what's the big deal? But oh my god, that sauce was so good. The bolognese sauce, the flavors of that sauce were so good. Also, the ravioli, the inside was very good. It was chicken and beef together, and it was just like really, really good. And they make their own pasta right there, like next door at Latina, which they also own. So everything on that dish was really, really good. I shared it. You could eat it on. Your, on your on your own by yourself um and then the lasagna now this is quite impressive so the lasagna al formaggio and i had the lasagna when i first opened the restaurant which was also very good it was i remember it being much smaller i don't know but it is a very impressive dish i think you need to share it my friend says you don't have to share it but i think you do uh so it's a bolognese with a bechamel ricotta and smoked provolone uh with the fresh pasta they make there and 
Wow, like an impressive dish. Also good the next day as far as leftovers go. So you could actually order it for yourself and then take the rest home and have it the next day. Uh, cherry Coke baby back ribs. Now this is a new addition to the menu by Chef Fish. Um, these are also really good. I was impressed because the meat was tender, it fall off the bone, it was done really well. The flavor of this um, cherry Coke and uh, I don't know, it was very saucy. It was, the whole thing was really good. I actually couldn't stop eating them. Um, it came with a, a side of uh, roasted asparagus, but you can get, you can get, you don't have to get that. You can get different sides. They have different sides available, so you can choose your own side. But this was a really good dish. I can see this being a hit. Uh, now, they make this new kind of pizza. I've never had this there before. It's a signature Detroit South pie, deep dish with a crispy crust. It's kind of similar to the Detroit pie that AJ, AJ's Brooklyn Pizza does on, on uh, Broadway. Um, I've had that before. Now, the only thing is, I'm not a huge fan of this type of pizza. I love pizza, and everybody knows that. I'm talking about pizza all the time, but this is not the type of pizza I usually like. So I like the sort of thinner crust, um, more Roman-style, Dumpolitana-style, that kind of thing. So anyways, but they've done a great job with this. So um, what they're doing here is it's huge. First of all, it's huge. This is a shareable for sure. Uh, it comes to the table. It's very impressive. It's going to look amazing in your photos. But the thing is, uh, they have four different kinds that are on the menu all the time. I didn't try those. I just tried their special. But every week, they have another special. So Chef Fish is a busy guy. He's creating a different special pizza every single week. So this week, or the week I was in, which was last week, was the Big Elote. And basically, it's corn. Celebrating corn of BC because corn is harvested right now. This is the season for corn. Uh, so they've done a great job with this. Like if you have a go and have a Mexican restaurant, well not here, but if you go to a Mexican restaurant in the U.S., for example, and you're gonna have um, elote is is a thing. You're gonna have this corn on the cob, and it's usually brushed with um, salts or herbs and sauce. It's very saucy. So basically, he's taking the very saucy and put it on the pizza. So it's fun, definitely fun. Um, I'd be curious to try a different pizza though, like. Uh, I'd be curious to try one of their um, deep dish pizzas like they have it, either one of the regular ones that they have or a different special that wasn't, didn't have sauce all over it. So I'm just, I just, I don't know. It's like a lot of sauce for me. Um, but anyway, they've got lots of them. Keep an eye on, on, just watch Chef Fish on Instagram. Watch the restaurant's Instagram. You'll see what's going on. And uh, one day I do want to try probably one of the one of the current ones they have on their menu that just to see how that goes. Anyways, and then uh, they had a tiramisu. Now I've had this before. My partner's never had it before. He wanted to try it. So uh, the tiramisu, huge hit. I don't you know like if you have something this good, why screw with it? Don't. And they haven't. They've just they've kept it. It's the same recipe since day one, and that's the way to go. So check out Pepino Spaghetti House on Commercial Drive. Make a reservation to go in. It was very busy the night I was in. I was told that it's busy every single night. It doesn't matter if it's a Monday or a Friday. They're packed. So, you know, this is what it is. A lot of restaurants are packed right now. So, yeah, advanced reservation is key. And then remember, you know, you got to go in masked right now. And you can take your mask off to eat. But, uh, and pretty soon you'll have to show your vaccination card. So, that's like about a week or week and a half away from doing that, two weeks away from that. So anyway, that is Pepino's. And then uh, here's a spot I have. I've been to J&G Fried Chicken before. I've been to their um, downtown location. But they had just recently opened up a new location in Richmond and Aberdeen Center. And I've been wanting to go. It's just like time is sort of sometimes just kind of hard to do. And I didn't have time to get there yet until this weekend. 
And, you know, so it's a little bit different than the Robson store because the Robson store is not a food court, of course. It's like a self, a, you know, standalone store. It's a different story. This is a food court. So it's in the Aberdeen food court, which is probably one of the busiest food courts around the city. Uh, they have some of the best Asian food around is in this food court, which is incredible. So these guys have a great spot. You can't miss them. They're right in the front of the food court. Uh, so they, uh, they have a lot of, um, new items at this location that they don't have at the other locations. And that's what I was doing this time. I was just trying pretty much trying their new items. So one of my favorites was this heart shaped chicken cutlet bone in. Now, it comes boneless, and I would normally go boneless, but you get a lot more flavor if it's bone in, and that's when I tried. This was very good. I loved it. Very, very tasty. Um, the squid ink fish cakes. First, I threw me off. I was thinking like, okay, you know what it actually looks like? It's going to sound funny. It looks like the licorice you get when you go to the store and you buy some Australian licorice, and it's kind of all black. It kind of looks like that because it's squid ink, so throws you off a little bit, but it was really good. I was surprised. I tasted that. That was great, and... Um, the spicy chicken bites were really good, and they were actually not really that spicy, but they were really good. It's white breast uh, breast meat um, done in their um, seasoning, and it, it was really good. Um, yam fries, these are my favorite. These are my favorite in the city, period. Like, I don't know what they, the spices they put on this is just so good. It's so addicting. I could just keep eating those yam fries. Very good. Now, Q tofu. I actually don't know. I was going to look this up, but I'm out of time to do this today. So uh, I didn't. I don't actually know what Q tofu is. Uh, maybe someone wants to tell me what Q tofu is. But uh, they're basically tofu puffs, and they're deep fried. They're tasty, but they're even more tasty if you dip it in their sauce. Their, their garlic soy sauce is yummy, and if you dip the tofu puffs into that sauce, it's very good. So Q tofu. Don't know what it means, but basically, the tofu puffs. If you don't want chicken. This is your thing. Get the tofu puffs. Also try the fish cakes and onions. Those were also really good. Chicken wings. These are a spiced chicken wing. Tastes very, very tasty. And the sweet potato balls. Now, this is funny. Like, the sweet potato balls were really good. But they had these the purple ones and these white ones. And I don't know really if they're the same or different. But I just, my favorite were the purple. I don't know why, but purple wins. <laughs> I don't know. Sweet potato balls. But they have a lot of great stuff there. One of my, my favorite dishes there actually is the popcorn chicken. First time I tried their popcorn chicken on Robson's a few years ago now, a couple years ago, um, it was just, I couldn't stop eating this chicken. The popcorn chicken, so good. They have it on the menu there. I'd say get it anyway. Get it with some of the, one of the other dishes or try one of these new dishes. But you can check them out. Now, because of the mall hours and they're because of COVID, the mall's hours is shortened. They still haven't... Um, made it longer i i believe Aberdeen and i thought it used to be open till nine they're only open till seven now but the food court closes earlier so you really got to get there before six uh so uh, and it's a busy spot so maybe just avoid uh, if you don't want to be around a lot of people maybe avoid peak times of lunch and dinner and then uh and then head on in there or um but some of these places you can order and have delivered to you or just kind of you know you go in with your mask get in line get the food and leave um, we didn't eat inside. We ate outside. So that to me is the way to go currently because it was a very, it's a very busy mall. And um, that's, you know, I don't want to be around a lot of people right now. So uh, it's better just to eat it outside. It's still got great weather to do that. So uh, definitely check out Jane G Fried Chicken. They are also in my upcoming uh, Tasting Place West End event on September 8th. Anybody who's coming to that event is going to have, enjoy some Jane G Fried Chicken and the Robson location. 
Uh, Barcelona tapas and Bo on Bowen Island. I've actually been wanting to go there for a long time. I've actually been wanting to go back to Bowen for a long time, but it's so funny. It's so close. You have no idea how close Bowen Island is. I mean, I have friends that live on Bowen Island and they commute to the city for work. Um, so basically, to me, it's like kind of a commuter island. A lot of people living over there, working in the city, or vice versa. People are working in the city and I guess they're, you know, some people are working on uh, on Bowen. I actually know someone that works at a liquor store on Bowen. He lives in Gastown. So um, definitely it's it's very close. You know, it's just that you have to go to the ferry. And so we walked on. We didn't drive, but uh, we walked. We just parked at the ferry. It was very easy. You just drive out to Horseshoe Bay, park in the lot. Um, give yourself time, maybe 20 minutes or so. And uh, you just buy a ticket and uh, walk on the ferry. And that, to me, was the easy way to go. It's also really inexpensive. It's like ten dollars, and you get to go round trip um, to the island. It's a twenty-minute boat ride, and it's a very nice ferry ride, and then you're over there. So, um, you got to make to me. You got to make an advance reservation for this restaurant because they were really. I made an advance reservation like a week in advance, but it's a very busy spot, especially right now until until touristy until September, I think. Um, so one thing is because of COVID, but I don't know necessarily know if it's COVID, but they have this uh, outside patio. And they seat people all summer long in the outside patio. Only a couple tables on the inside right now were dining there, but everyone was sitting outside. So it's, it's just gorgeous courtyard spot where people are sitting outside enjoying some Spanish tapas. It was great. Um, but uh, the owner explained to me that after Labor Day, they're going to close the outside and it will be inside dining only. So you're still going to need a reservation here because I can see how on the weekends this could be very popular. But uh, they've been around like five years now, and um, a couple there, you know, he's from France, she's from Japan, and they are making up some delicious Spanish tapas. So Catalonian style, and it was, everything I had was very good. So uh, the first dish we had was their most popular dish, Was I actually read about this online, everybody orders this. It's called, i actually not even going to say what it's called in Spanish, but basically it's fried eggplant with honey and rosemary. It was delicious. Like everyone has it. I see why everyone, every table was getting this. It was very, very good. Patat brava is also very good. Crispy potatoes and a spiced tomato aioli. Tasty. Very, very tasty. Orzo um, salsa verde. Orzo pasta salad served cold. That was probably my least favorite because like, I thought it was sounded in, it sounded interesting, but it was okay. Um, the uh, beef and chorizo meatballs and saffron tomato sauce were delicious. Very, very good. That's definitely one you want to share. I also really like the farm pressed chicken, asparagus, and Israeli couscous. And then for dessert, had the Spanish cream. Like, we couldn't actually decide. They had three desserts. And normally I would go for the chocolate cake, but I just thought, like, let's get something different. And the Spanish cream was very, very good. It had, like, ganache at the bottom of this thing. It had like kind of like a blood orange on top and crumble. I mean, the whole thing was very good. You can find that on my Instagram if you want to check that out. And um, I think you just say a great date night. Uh, you want to uh, head on over, leave Vancouver, get out of the city, especially now. And then um, head on over to Bowen and uh, walk around a little bit. That's why I did for a little bit. And then um, have dinner and head on over back. It's super easy. The restaurant is right next to the dock. So... Can finish dinner, walk right down to the dock, and walk onto the ferry and head on home. So uh, that's a great way of doing it. And um, I think it's fun, uh, fun to explore Bowen Island. I mean, if you drive over, it's a little bit different. You can drive around the whole island. I, we couldn't do that. So we just kind of walked around the main town and, um, and then went over for dinner. So 
definitely want to check them out. So as I just mentioned, uh, Chef Will Liu, I, I had a chance to interview him this week and talk about his menu at Bruno and everything he's doing at Bruno because he's doing a lot at Bruno. Um, I mean, he's got he's got quite the team. They're really on it. And um, he's created a lot of delicious food. And, and definitely you want to try it. I, as I mentioned, I am a huge fan of his. I have been since he, for many years actually, since he worked at the Raw Bar at uh, the Fairmont Pacific Rim. I remember eating at the Raw Bar there with Chef Taka. And he was doing incredible things then. And look where he's come now. So definitely check out Chef Will Lou. And have a listen to... Uh, our conversation about Bruno and the other restaurants that are opening at the Versante Hotel. So let's go ahead. Uh, what got you into cooking, specifically cooking in restaurants? Uh, um, it all started from before I could remember, really, because my grandfather's a chef. So he was a chef in Chinatown. And uh, just like every child growing up, it was a very vivid memory of going to my grandparents' house every weekend over and over in my my cousins and my brother and everyone would be watching TV and playing games and Lego and everything else. And I would be in the kitchen uh, asking, how'd you make this? And what is that? And like, can I try? And they're like, oh, it's dangerous. There's heat. But reality is they let me anyways. And then like it sparked this, uh, uh, my earliest memory of what job I want to do was to be a chef. You know, I, I went around and I did a bunch of other sort of exploration through music and fine arts and performance and, and you know, it all led back to cooking. So, where do you get your inspiration for the recipes you create? <laughs> uh, it might sound really silly to you, but I think the cool and interesting part is, it's it came from. Uh, I think the biggest thing and influence came from when I did art history at university. Um, oh, my dog. <laughs> So, yeah, and, and my dog's my inspiration as well. <laughs> you heard him. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, it, I think the biggest influence I had was obviously through, through so many years of playing musicals and performing violin and things and translating that art form into a visual and edible art form. And then and I didn't really find pure like direction until I, not even the culinary world, but I didn't really find pure direction in food until I um, took a took the years of art history courses at UBC. And, and then the biggest thing they asked all the time, the only question I ever got asked in the test was, what is the significance of this piece? And from that point on, what I, you know, you always have to have a purpose to what we do. There's gotta be a reason to what we put on the plate. There's gotta be a reason how we communicate through the canvas of cuisine. And, uh, and the inspirations come from the stories you wanna tell. And every place, every restaurant, every menu has a different story to talk about. So, I, yeah, I, I just like a, like an actor, you just delve yourself into uh, into the storyline. You almost method act the menu, and then the inspirations come from there. They flow naturally. Sounds kind of silly, but it, that's how I do it. Okay. The uh, the last time I saw you was at the Vancouver Aquarium's Chowder Chowdown over one and a half years ago. Can yeah. you tell me what your role was previously with OceanWise? Yeah, um, I did. I was. A huge privilege. Last year, I became the exec chef of OceanWise and OceanWise Conservation, along with Vancouver Aquarium, when they were all one entity. Um, that was a venture I, I truly, truly had a, a huge passion for, just because, you know, I mentioned university. I did art history, but my major and my degree was actually uh, was animal biology. And so that science aspect really followed me everywhere. And since opening the raw bar at Pack Rim, 
making that first 100% ocean wide sushi restaurant in Canada, uh, that led me down the path of what I believed was my mission in life. You know, create sustain create inspiration through sustainability, but do that through our medium, which is food, uh, and do that in an artistic and a meaningful and a significant manner. And so, with OceanWise, yeah, it, it was, you know, it was their advocate. It was creating the food film, it was creating the identity through the food, and, and so, and and hopefully using that platform to inspire so many other people around us in the spaces that we have. So that was a huge goal and dream come true. Uh, you recently visited Cortez Island. Can you tell my listeners what you discovered and learned from this trip with respect to shellfish? Um, you know, uh, one, uh, I'll go back to OceanWise quite often uh, just because I'm still a huge fan and proponent and, and, and a forever sort of advocate just of any sort of sustainability and conservation-minded purposes. Uh, and even with all that experience, I've never, I've never been to a beach it's close to Mason's Landing on Cortez. And there's like a lagoon right behind uh, the main dock. And you walk like, you know, 100 feet away. And then you, you enter this, this like, there's a, two little islands in the middle. And then you're surrounded by this lagoon that has one entrance of ocean water coming in. And, and at low tide, you just walk. And I've never been to a place where every step was a, a shellfish that I could pick up fresh off the ground like naturally growing there and, and shuck it and eat it or bring it back and do a big cl like clam and mussel and uh, oyster boil. You know, it was just, I, I've never seen a place where the bountifulness of our nature was so apparent underneath our feet. And on the shoreline, it was just like wild sea asparagus growing. Like you could take anything and everything off that one environment and make the, the most amazing you know, dish in that moment. We can pick spruce tips off the, the little spruce trees and the fir trees and, and add lemony flavor that way too. It was incredible. Uh, normally I'm not a fan of oysters. However, at, at our tasting, you served a torched oyster that was incredible. And it was one that I enjoyed. What did you do to make it so flavorful? <laughs> I think uh, we all kind of enjoy like kind of barbecue flavor no matter what you do if you barbecue it it probably tastes kind of good and I'm not saying I barbecued it but what I'm saying is like we did put a lot of torchiness to it you know we, we pre-torched oyster a little bit squeezed a little bit of lime juice we made like a almost like a modiaki sauce slash um, uh, remoulade that was that was done with a little spicy andouille smoky andouille sausage and then we torched it again with some Ikura and some scallions. So like uh, that burnt, but like like enticing uh, flavor of the torch. I, I I hope that's why you enjoyed it because I, I enjoyed making yeah, it for oh you. Yeah, <laughs> it was very good. I was just like, because first I was like, I told them in advance, I'm like, I don't want any oysters, just keep me away from them. And <laughs> you served it, I'm like, well, I'm going to try it anyway. And it was really good. So I was just like, wow, <laughs> this is so different than what I normally have. Um, <laughs> On your menu at Bruno Restaurant, you have an oyster caviar and shellfish cart. How does this cart service actually work? And is your torching the oysters part of this service or dish? Uh, yes, um, we're in the current process of like custom creating a cart. You know, we, we have multiple carts there, so we're lucky there's a lot of resources around. But like, I want to create one where it's, you know, like it, us as chefs, there's always like, oh, we can do this differently in the kitchen. We can make this differently. We can move this piece of equipment. We can do all these things. And so same thing with like a cart or like even, even the spoon we use. What, 
how do we bend the spoon or how do we manipulate our tweezers? So like, yeah, we're going to have a custom made cart uh, so that, so it looks smooth. There's like sections for everything meant to be. And, and we go table side, oysters are all there. All the plentifulness, just like I saw in Cortez Island is, is in a bowl of ice ready for you. Pick which oyster you want, we shuck it. Uh, and then we have a plethora of sauces there, including the one that you enjoyed. Um, and we have tins of caviar, Northern divine caviar, ocean-wide sustainable caviar, uh, and the Kura, same thing. And, and, and the guests can, can pick their combination and we put whatever you choose on it. And then if you want torch, we have the torch there. Oh, so you can so you can custom torch anything like we can yeah if we have, we, can, we can ask us to torch the oyster raw and then put a little bit of mignonette on top we can do that too I mean everyone enjoys oysters differently as we just spoke about and, and and same with myself you know like everyone has a preference but I think uh, food the great thing is as you know like it's just variety is the key having diversity and having a showing different perspectives through similar ingredients so what oysters will you have on the menu like i guess it might change probably by the season mm -hmm. but what i mean kushi oysters sounds like that's what's there right now yep i think i mean we're just passing the summer season so i think we can uh, and there's and some species are spawning right now as well like something like the olympia oyster which is like the only indigenous oyster to the west coast it's like the tiniest thing you've ever seen which is but it's also one of the most delicious oysters you ever had pretty rare to find but um yeah everything's gonna come back online i mean we all know that you know, as I mentioned before, uh, shellfish, that's why I want to really focus. I'm glad you're focusing with me on shellfish here, uh, especially bivalves, being things like oysters, mussels, clams uh, are restorative species. And so that's some of the best ways to find sustainable seafood around us, you know, the zero input food. We don't need to feed in anything. It filters the ocean. And, and we're lucky enough to enjoy that bountifulness after. But yeah, the, the amount of oysters we have, I mean, we just want to pick what's the freshest, what is available. We want to have variety for people, but there's also some crowd favorites, of course, but we want to open up the mind so that there's every oyster is a crowd favorite, every shellfish is a crowd favorite. Yeah. Okay. Um, I love bread, especially the different breads served on menus at restaurants. <laughs> Your version of bread at Bruno is a scroll loaf. Can you tell me how you created this bread and describe your brulee foie gras butter? Okay. Uh, yes, bread is a staple. We all expect bread. You know, do we have to have it on the menu? Probably. I mean, I enjoy eating. I probably get full on bread before I get full of any other Same. food. Same. <laughs> and 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 that's a that's a good thing. But I also learned a long time ago, like bread is if if it's there, that's your first impression. Mm -hmm. That's your first impression to anyone sitting down enjoying your food. Of course, there's impressions all the way throughout. Uh, but if if you don't make the best first impression you know, just like meeting someone for the first time, you may have a preconceived notion. Of course, you can always turn that around, but, and, and you would think that bread, that's the first thing on listed on our menu. Uh, just obviously every restaurant has a different concept. You know, there's, there's different ways to represent what uh, you put forth as your opening statement. Um, but I think these days everyone is really into like croissant like those everyone's really into like the super buttery high quality artisan hand rolled um pastries and so yeah we're not serving a pastry to start with but we're taking pastry elements turning them into very savory elements filled with cheese and herbs and then 
creating like a rich butter that's not just rich, but we're topping it off with a layer of brulee that you can crack into just like a creme brulee. And, and it has the richness from, from, from the liver and it has the richness from high quality butters and cultured butters and everything else that is available to us here and, and within our country. So can that bread, can, it's on the menu, the dinner menu, can people purchase like a bunch of these? Like, I mean, you're obviously not a bakery, you're a restaurant, but if someone wants to get a bunch of these for home or for office or whatever, is that something that's available to them? Uh, that's something we're definitely thinking about because um, you enjoyed dinner yesterday, which I appreciate. And uh, we're going to obviously have breakfast and lunch as well, uh, but we're opening like a breakfast market there, you know, like a morning market, fresh baked pastries that we do in house you know, smoothies and juices and chia seed puddings and the like, and probably sandwiches to go. I was ho hoping to do like picnic baskets where, you know, like you bring this picnic basket back and you fill it to your heart's desire. And we figure out how that, um, how that translates. Cause we have so many people that are in our community in Richmond who, you know, there's two office towers right behind us and, and a countless amount of businesses and, and, and people surrounding us. So I'm hoping that Thanks for that suggestion. I, maybe I will put that bread there. Yeah, that's very um, good. <laughs> very good. Put that bread there. I wish right. it was like we only had a piece, but I kind of wish it was the whole thing actually. Oh well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you should you can you should consult us. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, uh, what's the secret to creating the perfect Kuribota pork belly at Bruno Restaurant? Because that was done completely different than I had pork belly in the past, and the whole table loved it. <laughs> Um, I think just melding a bunch of different cultures and ingredients all into one thing that is completely new to us. You know, it's something we made for fun. Uh, we always like to cook for people. So um, as creators, as chefs, as artists, you just want to do things differently. And, and, and I think it, I explained before, but, you know, it may not be my prettiest dish I've ever made, but it's also one of the most proudest dishes. I mean, just because the reception has been so positive. It's like one of those things where you can tell a story. It's it's Kuributa pork, but it's a, a Canadian raised Kuributa pork. It is um, marinated for 24 hours, and then we braise it for 24 hours. Wow! And then after that, then you know, then we compress that, then portion, do a little starch mix that we created, uh, and the secret, like every other tasty food, is the deep fryer. Uh, huh. <laughs> 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 but uh, but with that, like, as, as you mentioned, I mean, there's a depth to the flavor. You want to bring out that richness of the Kiributa pork uh, and that fattiness. But at the same time, you, you don't you need to cut through with something. So that's why we use a really nice aged balsamic. We're putting in some lime and then finishing it off with black garlic. So that fermented flavor, that richness, there, there's maple and soy in that recipe as well. So you can just sort of whet the appetite that way. Can you tell me the process involved in the truffle lavender duck that you have on the menu at Bruno and explain the la where does the lavender come from? How does the lavender kind of incorporate into yeah. this dish? So working at Bruno, working with uh, the Versante Hotel, um, I never knew that the ownership had their own lavender farm and not just their own lavender farm, but a certified organic lavender farm. That's why we were on Cortez Island. And from what I know, um, maybe one of the largest organic lavender farms in wow. BC, if not the country. It was huge. It was just like, I think, I think the property is a uh, 120 acres. 
not all of lavender, right. <laughs> but, but, but also just incredible, like, you know, we're privileged enough to sort of learn how to pick it, learn how to, to, to create lavender oils, learn how to harvest properly for the, and, and preserve it for the next years over and over, how to dry properly, everything along that nature. And, and we got to stay in some like sort of like geometric domes where it was literally beside the lavender field. So when I was sleeping, uh, like all it could be surrounded by was this like faint scent. It wasn't overpowering, but this faint scent of like lavender surrounded by forest and just like, you know, nature. And it was, it was very incredible. So um, that being said, I, I think lavender duck, it was, it was like a, a must, like in some format, we had to incorporate the lavender. Um, it was, the story was this way too powerful and meaningful to the connection to, to where we're working in Bruno. Um, and, and so, yeah, oh, I didn't think of a better way than to use some local Fraser Valley duck. Uh, you asked how we make it, you know, we, we cure the duck, air dry the duck. There's a, there's a sugar spice blend that we put on top, uh, as well as some lavender buds, which are the organic English lavender buds and, and something I learned there too. And, it's like, you know, the English lavender is the culinary lavender and the French lavender is going to be the, uh, you know, for the essences and everything else. I'm sure they're all <laughs> edible, but the recommended one's going to be the English. So we're lucky enough to like the, the lavender is there. Some of the lavender that I harvested, that our team got to harvest. So we pair it that way, infuse it that way. And then we also make a, a local honey that's paired with truffle that we shave into the honey and then finished off with an infusion of more of that lavender. And then we baste the duck and cook the duck, continually basting it with that honey and butter. Wow, it's quite the process. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's a lot labor of it's, love. Uh, it's really meaningful, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, the Forno re roasted red sea bream lobster seafood platter is one of the spectacular dishes on the menu of Bruno. How did this dish come together, and what is the price of it for someone kind of dining in your restaurant? Yeah, um, it's a pretty massive dish, as you could see. Yes. So a lot of it was, uh, I mean, just getting that fresh flown in sea bream from New Zealand that was, again, sustainably harvested. Um, they also do ikijime on there. So like the fish, the quality of the meat, everything from there is, is beyond top notch. And it's, it is flown in fresh for us and the city, whoever wants to find great quality fish. It's all just about doing the research and, and looking for it because it's available. Um, and that dish, I mean, yeah, as you said, it, it has it has a whole lobster in there. It has of just everything that we can find from our waters, from wild pink scallops, you know, the mussels that, that are uh, on Vancouver Island, the clams, and something that I, I guess sounds silly, but I really appreciate it is, you know, I did a tour of Fanny Bay shellfish and uh years back for ocean wise and and you sort of forget we did a night harvest and you sort of forget uh how much effort it takes to like dig up clams how much effort it takes actually how long it takes to grow shellfish and oysters are you know average two three four years yeah. and, and 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 so like to to see that and and consume it so quickly sometimes even myself it's like it's so delicious how can you not yeah. and and so the effort you put behind it you know, just creating this dish, you just want to sort of say, okay, let's make everything the star of the show. So 
especially when you have like a, a like a, a fresh tomato saffron cream sauce, this cream broth that we're we're serving with it, done with like you know some some nice white wine from the Okanagan. It's like this, you know, you want to enjoy the shellfish, even if it's a mussel. And sure, like oh, mussels are everywhere, but you enjoy the mussel with that sauce, and you're like, oh, wait a minute, there's also a lobster. Oh, wait a minute, there's this beautiful forno roasted fish that has been harvested sustainably that has been treated with respect um i don't know if i'm answering your question but you, you are uh, so, so, <laughs> so i would imagine that the price for this would probably be more like market price because i can see how things would be fun yeah. especially this fish you're bringing in from new zealand and all these other components mm -hmm. it, it's i want to sort of put a harder price on it so as, as we're working out the menu is going to be finalized as, as we spoke about probably within today or tomorrow because we are opening very shortly yeah. um and I'm anticipating it being around 160 to 170 dollars, but yeah, it is market price. But at the same time, like another philosophy of mine is, you know, if we're also in a place of privilege where we have the resources to put out food where people can come enjoy, and I, I know already, you know, 160 dollars or 170 is, is already a steep price. But we're also saying that we're serving that that can feed four or five, six people if they wanted to. Uh, but at the same time, we're you know, may not be the best food cost on it, but the thing about it is why not share um, great ingredients with people and make it so that it's fair for all parties involved so that they can enjoy that. They can have the lobster. They can have that two to three pound fish whole on that platter and the pink scallops, the mussels, the clams, prawns on their saffron broth, like I, tomatoes from our Cortez farm, which is also organic. Like it's, it's just, uh, it's, it's a dream come true, really. Um, in your current role as executive chef, which restaurants are you currently involved with? And can you tell our listeners what's involved with each of the restaurants, menus and dishes? Yeah, uh, there's multiple restaurants uh, within, the hotel has two outlets. We have banqueting as well as also in-room dining, but within uh, Hotel Versante, we're also under another umbrella, which is like Club Versante, which has another three restaurants on the tower right behind us. So on the same 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 building, same property. Uh, so I'm myself and our team were responsible for about six seven outlets. Ultimately, there's going to be a fine dining um, Chinese based restaurant opened by the Michelin chef Alvin Liang. Uh, but the two that we're also really looking forward to is. Uh, cask which is our like high-end whiskey bar sort of done like a japanese izakaya style so like super smoky charcoal grill you know that's where the wagyu and and more buddha and uh truffles and tins of caviar and and those kind of things belong but we also have another uh, restaurant which is focused all around seafood and fresh seafood we're not even want to touch butter there we only want to use olive oils and citruses and everything else and we're if it's uni season, we're getting in fresh uni. When it's done, you know, come for that day because we're going to find something else after that's fresh and seasonal and, and available to the public to honor what's around us. And not just what's around us, but honor what we, we can find sustainably around the world. Very exciting project for this. Yeah. For Rich, but first of all, for Richmond and for Vancouver, I mean, really not, no new hotel has opened in Vancouver area in at least three years. This is the mm. first one. Um, 
with the pandemic, I'm sure there were delays and all sorts of things as this happens to everybody. Mm -hmm. But for Richmond itself, too, lots going on. You can see on the culinary perspective, tons going on there. So uh, you'll be launching breakfast service at Bruno starting next week. What are some of the standout dishes people can look forward to? For breakfast, I think uh, it's going to be a huge one. Is Everyone always likes Benny's. <laughs> everyone always wants to have uh, some format. I think something that's really fun and unique is uh, instead of doing Benny, we're using sustainably um, sustainable smoked salmon. Uh, almost like it's like a breakfast hash, but it's done with like smashed like whole uh, russet potatoes or Yukon gold potatoes, sorry. And, and that's been fried and tossed with a spice mix. Like you had the potatoes yesterday, right? Like, yeah, like this truffle, truffle, Parmesan, herb potato. And it's the same base where we're putting on smoked salmon and two poached eggs and a, a dollop of uh, hollandaise on top. And it sounds super simple, but you know, you don't have the bun underneath, you don't have the English muffin, but it's like another way to enjoy sustainable seafood in a unique sort of breakfasty way. Um, and of course, like the sausages that we use, like, you know, like we have so many great artisan, local artisan makers around us that we want to make sure that we're, we're supporting as well. And that's where part of the curation of menu comes in. Like what is around us? Who, who is, who is our suppliers? Who is our producers? Who is our artisans? Not in Richmond, of course, but also just in Vancouver in, in the, in, in a time like this, where, as you mentioned, the pandemic things have been slowed down a lot. We're trying to use our resources to re-up and, and push forward those around us who have supported us as, as the makers of products that we enjoy using. So now's the time to sort of showcase them as well. Through breakfast, through lunch, through dinner. <laughs> so uh, vegan is a big one in Vancouver right now. Everybody mm -hmm. says they're vegan. They're not really vegan, but everybody says they are, they want to eat healthy, that kind of thing. Is there anything for vegans on your restaurant menu or what can you do to make it vegan? Uh, it's, it's a hugely popular thing that's always been asked of us. And I think a huge aspect and responsibility of us as chefs and restaurant people, food and beverage is to keep, to be as creative as possible with a uh, vegan or any dietary things and, and nothing's impossible. And you never say no to anybody and you always want to make it so that people can enjoy the same food that everyone else can vegan, vegetarian, you know, pescatarian or not. And, um, so, I mean, we're flexible in the sense that we, we would make anything on that menu vegan for those who want it to be vegan. Uh, just coming from our background hospitality, like you want to make everyone happy. If that dish has something that they can't have, we're going to go out of our way to make sure that we create every possible element that will match it. There's going to be elements on the menu uh, for sure that are going to be vegan friendly, you know, gluten friendly, all those things. Uh, and they will be pretty obvious when people sit down and see them. Uh, but no, we will have options all the time. Uh, I, I've never, you know, so many people in my family and surrounding, they have their dietary restrictions too. And, and I got some vegans around me too. So, um, I enjoyed cooking for every perspective of palate. Last question. What else can people, what else can guests look forward to at Bruno restaurant? I think just like I'm looking forward to, just like our team's looking forward to it is, creating an atmosphere where people feel included, inclusive, uh, feeling that, yeah, we can get these spectacular dishes. Like you said, this gigantic bowl of saffron shellfish and, and lobster and, and, and whole fish or like a giant tomahawk steak or, you know, the truffle lavender duck. 
but it's meant to be where you want to bring those you care about or your community around you to enjoy of course covid safe wise but um but you want to you want to create a space where people are like oh i didn't know this was here i didn't know that you know that we enjoy sharing food so much and we are in richmond it's a it's a culture of shareability <laughs> you know it's family style everything so the dishes are designed so that yeah of course if you want to enjoy a, a, it by yourself that's more than okay but the fun of it is bringing the community back together bring your friends bring your family you know bring your colleagues and and find a space where the food is complement complementing the conversation complementing the the moment of time that is so special when people can actually get together these days but some don't i don't know so if you're brand new and you're opening you can have a problem because then like where are yeah. you gonna find your staff exactly yeah and and we all know like a lot of people want to take their time like is that is that restaurant that opening going to be exciting enough for me to take my talents there you know or my passion there and uh yeah it's a tough world i think and that's where our past and our credibility comes into play and that's where you know people have options these days cooks servers chefs they all have options these days so within those options you're a lot more scrutinous to what you look for and, and what matches your philosophy and your your level of integrity and uh if if the management if the environment if the food you know if the philosophy there matches you i think that's where people start gravitating towards because even for us like i'm lucky enough to have as i spent yesterday like we like, we're lucky enough to staff in my first two days there yeah, amazing. which was incredible um and it was with people coming from fairmont who are getting the highest pay in the city but it's not these days it's also they realize it's not just about the paycheck which of course it's, it's super important because everyone has families and things to take care of and responsibilities but um i can see these days people are picking passion over anything else and that's what full to have people seeing our craft as a craft again you know instead of saying oh just give me the give me the maximum and like uh, i want this like i was like that too right like a, I want this and give me that and all these things and this place is super shiny and fancy okay so i demand that which is fair because this world needs equality within our living standards mm -hmm. but at the same time like this pandemic has also re-energized those who are choosing to be chefs there's you remember why you want to be a chef right and chefs are everyone like a dishwasher is a chef a, a cook's a chef we're all chefs because we all have the same passion for food and for hospitality and for service so and uh who is your pastry chef? Uh, myself and our sous chefs <laughs> right now. Like, uh, and you know, I think it would be pretty good. Like even when I was running a hotel van, I wrote all the pastry menu. Huh, okay. Uh, and, and we had a pastry chef there. <laughs> so uh, I, I like to think we can do a little bit of everything, but I mean, I want to hire a pastry chef sooner than later. And I'm just waiting on a few people. Uh, but at the same time, it's been fun being able to do everything. I mean, I've always done everything myself. So like with a team collectively, but like, I've never like, you know, if I'm writing pastry, I'll write the pastry. If I need to do the savory food or create any menu, I'm, you know, there's a huge amount of thought and research going into everything to tell the story, not to create the food, mm -hmm. curating the moment to make it 
as smooth as possible without people even realizing you curate at the moment. It's good that you can do all this because not every chef can do everything. Right? Oh, so yeah, yeah. I mean, I spent my first two years when I was watching, like once I finished uh, washing dishes for two years, um, my first year, almost two, was doing pastries. Mm-hmm. I thought I was going to be a pastry chef. Wow. I was like, I'm like, oh, I'm going to go pastry school because there's too many cooks and there's everyone that cooks. So I'm going to be a pastry chef. Reality is, you know my story. I never went to culinary school, right? So um, everything is just sort of self, like, well, no, you self-educate, but you you gain the experience from your experiences. Mm-hmm. But you it, to be, you know, to identify yourself and someone asked me that yesterday, like, oh, how do you, how do you they ask all the time, how do you become a chef? And everyone can be a chef and you become a chef differently in every format. Everyone has a different path. There's no one guaranteed path. Uh, but I do find it important that you have to, you have to find your style. You have to, I, you have to be flexible and you have to be adaptive, but you also have to create your niche. You have to create your brand to, to, to what your philosophy is, what your meaning is. It doesn't mean like you only stick with like a certain culture, but what it means is you, you live a certain uh, honorability to, to, the, to the craft of food. And if you stay that path and keep building upon it in a positive format, um, I, that's why I tell people it sounds really hippie and weird, but that's how you become a chef. Like you, you got to stay consistent with your belief system. Uh, your pavlova was very good. And that's another dish I don't usually order in the restaurant, <laughs> but Joe Fortes actually makes a really good pavlova, surprisingly, because they have like a million desserts. But that one actually is really good. But yours was really good too. because it's Oh, not, awesome. Yeah. I'm not even a pastry chef, like you said. <laughs> and it was small, but I would imagine it must be bigger when you actually serve. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, the, the, it's like the puck is like that big and we do like two. And it's like, it's again, everything is meant to be shared like that. A- anything we put out there is basically should be like, you know, I grew up in a world where if the dish wasn't big enough, it wasn't worth getting, you know? You know, it was like, I didn't realize the difference between a sustainable prawn and a non-sustainable prawn grew up until I, you know, even my first few years of cooking until I delved into the world of ocean wise uh, and researched for myself what sustainability looks like. And not just sustainability, but like even the efficacy of who's, who's peeling your prawns, who's doing all these things and like, where are they coming from? Like, what is the human impact? Not just what's the environmental impact uh and so in that sense yeah it was a huge um sort of uh, eye-opening moment so you know back then like okay even for me like if i go to a restaurant like okay i want to order like this big noodle dish from the chinese place okay if it looks one inch smaller than i'm used to i'm not into it anymore and and so like that mentality is kind of still following me around like that that like traditional i don't want to say traditional i think that i'm whatever like chinese thoughts right and the, and, and so when I'm cooking for people, I overcook for people all the time. And they're like, oh, what are you doing? And I was like, it, you always sort of want to showcase your generosity. Mm-hmm. And, and if, you know, some dishes, of course, are going to be minuscule and, and, and have a purpose. But then I'm just going to add like five more courses after them because I still don't feel satisfied because I always put myself in that perspective of if I was eating this, would I be full? And, if I don't, and would I feel that it's worth it? And, 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 you know, and I shouldn't judge things that way, but I kind of grew up judging things that way for my own food and like everything else and where I go eat. And there's always been Chinese restaurants. Mm-hmm. So and I'm not talking about like, you know, I'm not talking about, uh, yeah, I'm talking about Chinese restaurants specifically. Yeah, so yeah, don't yeah. get me wrong. No, but, um, but that's why I grew up eating right? and that's why I enjoy eating the most. Uh, so, so I always sort of bring that mentality. I want to make sure that people 
feel like they got a good deal. Yeah, I want to make sure people feel like they 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 earned like their. Thank you for listening to this week's show. Tune into the next episode next week to hear more interviews with chef and cookbook authors, as well as other features. Please tell your friends about this podcast and have them subscribe to the Van Foodster Podcast and Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play, and Amazon Music to hear my weekly show covering the food scene in and outside of Vancouver.